Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Today is December 14th, 2021, and our first story, the wholesale price measure has risen nearly 10% the fastest pace on record. And this is signaling that we may be facing a global economic collapse. The media is lying about this. Inflation is not transitory, and soon you may not be able to afford food. In our next story, the January 6th committee releases select messages, actually proving the Trump inner circle was demanding that Trump condemn the January 6th riots. Kind of makes it seem like they were not staging a coup. In our last story, prominent leftist personalities have been banned from Twitch for using racial slurs. Hate speech policy is backfiring against people who straight up say companies should be allowed to enforce their terms of service and people have no right to speech on these platforms. Now, if you like this show, leave us a good review and give us five stars. Tell your friends about the show. Now, let's get into that first story. Over the past week, There have been several stories indicating that we may be facing an economic collapse. At the very least, we are in an economic crisis. But some are writing that the global inflation runaway train is indicating a collapse could be underway. Recently, we saw the story basically everywhere. Food prices are higher than they've been in decades. Precipitating this was the food shortages, which of course still exist. In fact, I went out to buy a Christmas tree the other day, and we had a hard time of it. Why? We're being told there's a Christmas tree shortage. There's a labor shortage, of course. We're now getting another indicator. The producer price index rose at its fastest pace on record, 9.6%. It's frustrating. It's frustrating because there are individuals like, you know, we here at TimCast who are relatively nonpartisan. I know a lot of people are going to recoil and say, that's a ridiculous statement, Tim. You hate the Democrats. You love the Republicans. I've never been a Republican. I've never been a big fan of the Republicans. But I can tell you this. When Florida is doing very well and they're defying the mandates, when the Democrats consistently lock people down and defy their own rules, it is not about party It is about what is happening before our very eyes. So please, we need you to wake up. The Republican Party is garbage. Their policies are trash. But some of their policies, at least as it pertains to the COVID pandemic, have worked out fairly well. 
While Donald Trump did have a bad plan, in my opinion, 15 days to slow the spread he was on board with, and that turned into a year and a half longer, technically, because we're still in it to a certain degree. Joe Biden and the Democratic governors have pushed this. And due to their policies, particularly, particularly around stimulus spending, we are now dealing with this inflation crisis, which may run away, grow out of control and result in something worse than we have ever seen in terms of a depression. This is not to say vote Republican, maybe in the primaries. But I tell you this, primary Democrats or Republicans vote for who you think makes the most sense. This is just to say you need to pay attention to what's happening around you. Food prices are through the roof. And we warned all of you about this. It's not about party. It's about during the mass spending from the Democrats who have narrow control of the federal government. We all said what I mean, what I mean by we, it's the anti-establishment type. It's the populists, many on the left and the right, though mostly on the right, but not the establishment Republican types. We've been saying they keep spending like this. The costs will skyrocket. And sooner or later, you won't be able to buy food. We saw that report. Remember, General Mills said they're going to raise their prices by 20% in January. We now have fears of a global economic crisis. But if you were to pay attention to how the media has covered basically everything, the craziest thing to me is that outlets, news outlets that tend to be on the side of the establishment political party have, have been wrong on everything, literally everything. OK, not literally, but mostly everything. I have one story I want to show you. They keep saying things won't happen. They keep saying inflation, transitory. Even Jack Dorsey of Twitter tweets out transitory in quotes. They said it's, it's, it's just because we're releasing, being released from the lockdowns. Everyone's going to go out and spend, but prices will go back down. That made no sense. It was a lie. Why? A lie to appease you. They are burning down the country. They know what they're doing. I can show you one chart that should make you realize what's happening. And you need to pay attention again to stress. Do not listen to the Mitch McConnell's. Do not listen to the Lindsey Graham's or the Nancy Pelosi's or the Chuck Schumer's. The establishment party is not here for you. They are here to burn this country to the ground and extract whatever they can. Now, I want to show you this, the M1 money supply. This current chart starts with March 1986, my lifetime. And I want you to see how there is a major spike in the money supply. They are printing like crazy. Inflation is through the roof, and this will destroy our economy, make it, make it impossible for you to save. And now we have Bloomberg telling people, just spend your paycheck as fast as you can, because we're dealing with runaway inflation. Let me show you the news and break down what's going on to better help you be informed, maybe figure out some strategies to navigate this crisis before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com and become a member if you would like to support our work here at TimCast. That includes these videos, as well as the TimCast IRL, pop, uh, IRL podcast, our new uh, show, Pop Culture Crisis and Tales from the Inverted World. And I, I'm not going to, uh, I'll put in the link. I'll put a link in the description, but we, we have a new book out that we're going to start uh, from Tales from the Inverted World, Mysteries, Ghosts, Paranormal. Help support our work by becoming a member. We have a lot of journalists working hard on all of these stories. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share this show if you really do like it, post it to social media. Let's read the first story, and I'm going to try and break down for you what this means for you. CNBC reports, wholesale price measure, prices measure rose 9.6% in November from a year ago, the fastest pace on record. They say, 
The producer price index for final demand increased 9.6 over the previous 12 months after rising another 0.8% in November. Excluding food, energy, and trade services prices, uh, price, uh, excluding food, energy, and trade service prices rose 0.7% for the month, putting core PPI at 6.9%, also the largest gain on record. Estimates were for respective gains of 0.4 and 7.2, meaning the monthly gain was faster than estimates, but the year-over-year measure was a bit slower. Don't let that deceive you. Those numbers come with headline consumer prices running at their fastest pace in nearly 40 years and core inflation the hottest in about 30 years. This means your paycheck will not buy you what you worked to produce. If you work to produce, let, let's, let's, let's very, very simplify everything. You work at, on an apple farm. Your labor produces 10 apples. You should be able to buy at least nine apples because, you know, some of that goes to some of those profits go to the go to the business to help maintain costs, right? It's not going to even cover this. As time goes on, because of rapid inflation, what you get paid will not buy you the equivalent of your own labor output. They say demand for goods continue to be the biggest driver for producer prices, rising 1.2% for the month a touch slower than the 1.3 October increase. I don't want to get too much in the weeds on hard numbers. You need only know certain things like this one from CNBC. Consumer inflation rises at fastest pace in nearly 40 years. Five experts weigh in. Let me explain. It is not about current inflation. Don't get caught up in the official reports. What you need to know with the fastest pace on records for producers and consumers, we are watching the tsunami come in. You're standing on the shoreline. And here's what you need to understand. Tsunamis is a great analogy. They say that before a tsunami, the water line recedes a great deal. And there are creepy videos where people are at the beach and they see the water just get sucked out to sea. And like the shoreline just drops back by like 300 feet. And people are like, whoa, look at this. The water is all gone. And all of a sudden the water comes rushing back. But tsunamis don't crest. There's not a big wave like you see in those paintings or those pictures. It's literally just the water goes up very rapidly. And then before you realize it, it's pouring over, it's shoving cars. Cars are drifting down the streets. Water is slamming into buildings at a high rate of speed. So what's happened now? The pandemic and the lockdowns. That was the water receding. We all watched it happen. We watched businesses get shut down. We saw the government spend like crazy. And now these stories You need to prepare for what may come. Talk to a financial advisor. It ain't me. But what this means is you are now watching the water start rushing back in. The inflation is here. In a few months, it's going to get worse. By this time next year, it may be very, very bad. I don't know for sure, but there is no sign of this slowing. There may be an intervention, but I need only show you this chart once again. I pulled this up in the introduction, but this is the St. Louis Fed M1 money stock chart. My life, March 1986, they say there was 641 billion of billions of dollars. 641 billion dollars. Is that what it is? Billions? 641 billion dollars? I guess that's how how you'd say it, right? It's another morning and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late. 
you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield, the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems, like pricey transmission and engine repairs and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash carlson and save 20% today. Then we can see over time, the number does gradually increase rather steadily. By 20, 2008, we can see it's doubled to 1,601 billions of dollars. From the time that I was born to the economic collapse, the money supply doubled. And it's a long period of time. I mean, 2008, I'm, you know, in my 20s now, and it's yeah, I'm about 20. I think at this point, I'm 22. Now take a look at this. When the pandemic hit, this line right here, that's the tsunami. You see, at this point, they decided to change the reporting metric to say that uh, savings accounts could now be included in the money supply. It used to be that you could only transfer six times from your savings to your checking once a month because savings accounts were not considered to be money supply. It was savings. You save it for a rainy day. Typically, they had pretty good interest rates, but not really all that great. Well, when they released this, the entire money supply instantly increased by a massive order, like I mean, from 4,000 billions of dollars in the money supply to 16,000. They opened the floodgates. That was the tsunami coming in. That was the dam breaking. Now, a lot of people have said to me, Tim, you're, you don't understand. They just changed the reporting. It's not a massive increase in the money supply. That is incorrect. Since they opened the dam, since the dam broke, and we saw in May of 2020, a, a hard jump from April to 4,000 billions to May 16,000 billions. Since then, we have seen a massive increase from the from June from May of 2020 to June of 2020. There was a jump of around 300 billions to July. It went to seven. Uh, it went up about where, where where are we at? Let's just try to take this and up about 500. By October, it was up over 1,000 billion dollars in the money supply, a trillion dollars. Now, the reason I show you my lifetime in this chart is because from 1986 till the economic collapse, there was not even an increase of 1,000 of $1 trillion. It was $800 billion. But in the span of only a few months, we've accomplished that. From May of 2020 into May of 2021, it jumped by $3 trillion. And now from where we are today, from May 2020 to October 2021, we are now at 20 trillion or 20,000 billions of dollars. The Democrats' plan is to spend 2.5 trillion more. Joe Biden put out a statement saying, We always pay our debts, so I'm signing an increase to the debt ceiling, taking out another credit card. The death spiral is here, the economic collapse is here. We're staring at it in the face. Inflation is bad now. We're just now seeing the ramifications of what started in May of 2020. What do you think is going to happen by May of 2022? What do you think is going to happen if, the, if there is a delayed reaction and the tsunami is coming in? 
We could be seeing inflation at 10%. Now, let's be real. Max Kaiser is a Bitcoin guy, and he, uh, I believe he created the Hollywood Stock Exchange. He, he's he's a, one of the forefathers of online stock trading. And he told us on Timcast IRL that inflation was around 15% when it was being reported at like 4 or 5%. And he said the reason they're saying that they're lying is because if they really did admit that inflation was around 15%, they'd have to increase Social Security and other benefits, and that would crush the federal government. They would be able to afford it. So they're lying. They're probably lying now. As runaway spending is destroying our economy, what do the Democrats have to say? It's right here. CNBC. Democrats will move to raise the debt ceiling hours before deadline. And don't get me wrong. It's just because the Democrats are in power. Republicans aren't playing their hand to block this. They're not most of them, but enough of the Republicans are on board with this to say, okay, let's do it. Let's roll. So it is many establishment neocon Republicans. It is the establishment Democrats. They're basically saying, burn it all to the ground. CNBC reports. Congressional Democrats will move to raise the debt ceiling Tuesday, one day before the December 15th deadline. The Treasury that Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warned could mark the start of the first ever U.S. default. The effort began in the Senate with a 50 to 49 party party line vote. The bill would then go to the House, et cetera, et cetera. We get it. Democrats unveiled the text of the resolution, which showed a proposed increase of two point five trillion dollars. You want to know what really freaked me out a couple months ago when they announced the U.S. was liquidating its assets to pay its debts? Yeah. I want you to understand this in terms of like your house, when your parents, this is how I responded to Joe Biden saying he was going to increase the debt ceiling. I said, I remember when I was a kid and my parents had to put, uh, use their credit card to pay bills. It's not indicative of something good, quite the opposite. When, you, when, when your parents would say, we can't afford the electric bill, just put on a credit card. You're basically saying sweep it under the rug and that problem will persist. Now you're paying interest on that debt forever. You can pay down the minimums, but if you're using a credit limit to pay your bills, what happens when you reach the limit? You can't pay the next bill. It is a downward spiral that doesn't end well. That's what we are doing in this country. On top of that, we saw that the U.S. was selling off assets to pay its debts. That's the next step in the phase. Well, we've maxed out our credit cards. Time to sell what stuff we have. The U.S. is not doing well. And how long until we run out of stuff to sell? We can't just keep taking out more credit cards. And then we default. It's the end of the U.S. empire. There are a lot of people who have consistently defended all of this, who have lied over and over again. Our next story from CNBC. El Arian says, uh, uh, Arian, or how you pronounce it, transitory was the worst inflation call in the history of the Fed. No, it was a lie. And we told you that what I mean by we is anti-establishment populist individuals. We don't we don't shill for the elites in the establishment. I don't like the neocons. I don't like the neolibs. I'm not even a big fan of Donald Trump. He's just much better than most of them. I like I like the Mises caucus, I like Dave Smith, Michael Malice, you know, those guys. But I'm not a fan of the establishment or the elites, nor the billionaires, nor the wealthy. I think they're ripping everyone off. It's a big club. You ain't in it. And neither am I. And I'll mention this again, you know, Siraj last night on IRL said, you know, you must be in the club, Tim. Being being successful with your business well off does not mean you're in the club. No, they're lying. 
They're lying to extract as much as they can as they burn the system to the ground. They keep lying to you. Please understand this. They have lied every step of the way. I don't care about Republican talking points. I don't care about Democrat talking points. Every step of the way, they said 15 days to slow the spread. That was Donald Trump, too. What did that turn into? A year and a half. They said, just wear a mask. You'll be fine. Then they said, wear two masks. Then they said, okay, it's just until we get the vaccine. Then they said, just get one dose of the vaccine and you can go out and do your thing. Then they said, if you're fully vaccinated, you can take your mask off. Then people got fully vaccinated. Then they said, you know what? Keep your mask on, actually. Then they said, you know what? Three boosters. Now we are moving into the phase of a fourth shot with the with uh, it's BioNTech saying, you know, we need a booster. And the Pfizer CEO saying we probably are need four shots for Omicron. It's not ending. It's increasing. They keep telling you more, 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 more. And the media along the way has lied and told you everything's okay. Ignore the far right conspiracy theorists. Far right. Transitory, they said. Let me give you an, an, a non-economic example. This one's been going around. This is from Vice. Anti-vaxxers are terrified the government will enforce a vaccine for coronavirus. February 28th, 2020. Anti-vax groups on social media are claiming that the spread of the disease will lead to mandatory vaccinations and unlimited surveillance. And then... July 27th, 2021, from Vice News. COVID vaccine mandates are coming, so get used to it. They lied to you. They told you it wouldn't happen. Just comply and everything will go back to normal. For nearly two years, they have said, comply and everything will go back to normal. But it hasn't. It's only gotten worse. They told you mass spending will not lead to inflation. And now it's here. They said, don't worry, that inflation was just transitory. It's going to go away. It's just because we're reopening. That was a lie. They said, don't worry, inflation is good for you. It means your wages will go up. It's bad for the 1%. That was a lie. Now food prices are the highest they've been in decades. And I'm already hearing from people saying they can't afford cereal for their children. They lied over and over again. Here's a story from Live Mint. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, they're carrying it from the Wall Street Journal. What is causing inflation right now? The current bout of inflation has several identified causes, many of them linked to the pandemic. For one, consumers are flush with savings from government stimulus programs and depressed service services spending from restrictions on businesses, leading them to open the spigot for goods that are in scarce supply. You see the important part there? They said the mass spending and stimulus would not lead to inflation. They said we need to do it. But the bill comes due always. Either you pay now or you pay later. Paying later costs more. They go on to mention energy prices, including gasoline, have gone up as oil and gas production lags behind a return of consumer demand coming out of the pandemic. And Joe Biden shut down Keystone XL and he put a, 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 more a ban on, on fracking on federal lands and some public lands. Now, a lot of people have correctly pointed out they'd lied to you again. They manipulate through framing. Hey, hey, hey. All of these conspiracy theorists saying Keystone had anything to do with this is lying because Keystone wasn't carrying crude. It wasn't built yet. Shutting it down did nothing. That's a lie. With the shuttering of Keystone, of the Keystone pipeline, you had many people who now said, if, if we don't get Keystone up and running in the next 10 years, we will not have the supply required to meet demand. Therefore, with high demand and a low supply, prices will go up. This caused people to do one of two things. Either they said, buy now because it's not going to be available in a few years, or 
people said speculate because that price is going to go up and we can sell, baby. Now, that last one's exploitation. I'm not a fan of knowing that the supply is going to be constrained. So you buy in and hoard something so you can jack up the price when demand hits and then sell it off. I don't like that. I don't like stock trading. I don't like any of that stuff. But people are allowed to trade what they want to trade. It, it, it exists. However, a big factor in this, quite simply put, is that many people just said, with the shuttering of fracking, we are not going to be energy independent. We will have too much demand on gas, especially with the, with the reopening of you know, the country and the end of the lockdowns, which are still somewhat in place. Demand will spike. Prices will go up. And that was Joe Biden's doing. They go on to say, the return of demand has led to a supply, to supply chain disruptions. Truck drivers, seaport slots, and warehouse spaces are all in short supply, leading to costly delays and rising shipping rates for goods. Yeah, people are quitting across the board in a lot of ways. There is a single-digit collapse in the labor, mar- labor market, which is specifically due to vaccine mandates. Now, single-digit may mean 2 or 3%. We often hear this, you know, 97% of our workforce was vaccinated. Nothing to worry about. 90, 95% of the truckers are vaccinated. That means a 5% drop-off in an already, uh, while we're already dealing with a labor shortage. We can't deal with another one. They lie. Food is more expensive than it has been in decades, and that's hurting you. From WSFA 12 News, labor shortages, supply chain issues affecting retailers. Now, of course, there's limited supply and massive demand. From Eyewitness News 3, natural gas shortage, supply chain issues could result in rolling blackouts in New England. You kidding me? Rolling blackouts in New England? The energy crisis is going to get worse. Nord Stream 2, you know, Joe Biden giving this, this, this power to the Russians. We're going to see it across the board. Now we're dealing with a bunch of other really weird stuff, too. You thought prices were bad now? Supply chain is worse than you realize. You see, people think the supply chain means there's no toilet paper. No, it means things like this from The New York Times. This chemical is in short supply and the whole world feels it. Farmers in India are desperate. Trucks in South Korea had to be idled. Food prices already high could rise even further. A chemical. What chemical is that? This story is about one of those those unsung forces that quietly keep the world running. It is a story about the clockwork interconnectedness of modern civilization and how disturbances in one part of the planet kick up storms in another. This is a story naturally about urea. Prices for the humble chemical, yes, the stuff in urine, are soaring to levels not seen in over a decade. In this time of everything shortages and inflation worries, that alone might not sound too surprising. But urea links up several disparate looking strands of global economic disruption, showing how easily extreme weather and shipping turmoil can cause supply shortfalls to radiate. I don't believe the official reasons they're giving for the shortages, to be completely honest. The other day I was told that the reason there's a tree shortage was due to the 2008 economic crisis. That may be true. They said when the crisis happened, farmer uh, people didn't have homes. People lost their homes. And if you don't have a home, you don't buy a tree. So farmers stopped planting trees. That to me sounds like it makes no sense. If you don't sell trees, which take 15 years to grow for Christmas, uh, why would you not plant some today? What about today makes you expect there won't be trees to sell in 15 years? No, it sounds to me like there's a labor shortage. We went to one place to go, but we went to the place we normally go and there were trees, but there was no one there. And we walked around like there's nobody here. And we looked it up and said closed. A few other places said closed. 
We finally found one place that was open and had trees and we bought some trees. We got two trees because we're having a big old double Christmas Christmas party. But, you know, the season is, is, you know, we're halfway through December and a lot of people have already got their trees. But we were told that there is a disruption in the tree supply for Christmas. There was a turkey shortage. We had to buy our turkey in, in advance. There was general, there's chicken wing shortages. So now we're seeing stores market thighs. I got to be honest, chicken thighs are pretty good. You know, I actually like them a whole lot. But I went to a restaurant and they said that wings were way expensive, but they did have thighs. And so we ordered a big bowl of thighs. I've never done that before. We usually just get wings, right? But the, the disruptions are affecting basically everything. Now, truth be told, we are very well off. Okay, we, we in, this, in the United States are still doing well. But there are a lot of people who are struggling to get by every day living paycheck to paycheck. And this is what we get. This is what we hear. Bloomberg, Bloomberg article mocked for suggesting Americans spend their paycheck immediately to cope with inflation. Last night on Timcast IRL, we talked about this. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. Mocking Bloomberg. They said, what did people do in Argentina when inflation was at 50%? They got their paychecks and they bought whatever they could immediately. Yeah, that's, that's not a good thing, right? That, that's, a, that's a terrible thing. That makes inflation worse. And if that's what we have to do, we are in serious trouble. But it seems like that's where we're at. And so I've, I've said something similar. I've repeatedly said, I don't want to hold US dollars. Inflation is through the roof. Spend it, buy what you can. Prices are skyrocketing. Man, guitars I'm looking at are twice the price. You can't go wrong buying whatever you can right now. So I've just been like, whatever we need for the production, let's not wait. Let's buy it now and grow into it. Buy the, buy the larger clothes when, you know, the kid's growing up, he's nine years old. You're like, just buy the large and then he'll grow up and then it'll fit him, right? That's the way I'm viewing it right now. Because if you wait, the cost is going to be through the roof. But I did point something out. Bitcoin prices have dropped a lot. They were at like 68,000 and then Bitcoin, you know, fell and then crypto fell. Some crypto prices have gone through the roof, like Mines token was at $3.60 this morning. That's massive, a massive gain. And so my view is for me personally, not for anybody else, maybe what you can do is let's, let's take this Bloomberg article that says spend your paycheck immediately to cope with inflation. Maybe they need only put in uh, 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 two words after the word immediately and before the word two, and they should write. Americans should spend their paycheck immediately on Bitcoin to cope with inflation. I am not telling you to do that. I have no, no knowledge of where Bitcoin will go, and the prices have dropped off quite a bit. A lot of people have messaged me saying, should I buy now? Should I buy now? I don't know. I don't. Bloomberg writes, Bitcoin's latest plunge highlights the dangers of a crypto salary. Yeah, but I don't care about its plunge, personally. I don't care about any. I'm, I'm keeping, I'm, I'm, I just bought a, a bit more crypto, actually because of inflation. 
And because of this, from the South China Morning Post, November 22nd, why the global inflation surge could signal an economic collapse. The link between inflation and asset price collapse or debt market implosion might have been forgotten, but it's still there. Policymakers cannot afford to ignore the increasingly shaky state of the foundations on which the global economy rests. Yeah, we're seeing it. Across the board, harder to find food, shelves are empty, certain products you can't get. We've been trying to set up a steel building. This is one of the things we learned with the producer price increase. It's a disaster. You know, look, our business is a booming. We got, we got more money coming in to hire people and to expand. And one of the goals we've had for the past, I don't know, year now was to get a giant steel frame building. Uh, I say giant, but you know, eight to 10,000 square feet. And the problem is nobody has the materials. It's not a matter of price. We're hitting up companies and they say, we can't get that steel for you. Sorry, can't help you. Now, some people have suggested we buy a used building. What they do is they go to an existing building, they dismantle it, move it to where your new space will be, and then build it there. And that's one potential, one potential option. But it's crazy to me that, you know, the money's become worthless. I mean, I mean it. The money has become effectively worthless. Now, look, I know money is worth something, but what I mean to say is I can't even buy things with it. If I can't get the stuff we need to expand the business, the money just sits there and it doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. And that's going to just be disruptive for the economy with stagflation, then hyperinflation. I just don't know where things go. Maybe it's good that people stop spending, I suppose. But there's two things to consider. If people are spending like crazy, inflation will go way up. If people don't value money at all, inflation will go way up. So I'll put it this way. I call this company. I say, we need a building because we want to do a live studio. We want to do a bigger studio. We are expanding. We're doing more shows. We need better infrastructure. And they say, I can't help you. And then I must respond with, tell me the price to get this done. And that's where the inflation hit is bad. A building that may have cost $200,000, $300,000 a few years ago, now they're saying, look, I'm not going to be bothered with it because it just, it's too expensive. And then I'll say, well, how much, what, what do we need? And they're like, look, steel's up 10%. Throw in another thirty grand, And we go, done, because we have to get it. Otherwise, we do nothing with it. And they say, okay. Now the cost is up 10% for these buildings. I mean, trying to buy a house outside of cities, is a, is a, is a, it's a disaster. It's a nightmare. It's crazy. This will reach you. Young millennials and uh, older Gen Z, younger Gen Z, you're not going to own a home. I think most of you know this. Some of you will, but many of you won't. You will not have any property to pass down to your children and people you care about. And as the World Economic Forum says, you will own nothing and you will be happy. I think the reality is you won't be happy, but you will own nothing. And it's going to be due to inflation. You're going to work hard. You're going to get that $15 an hour. They're going to say, we want a $20 an hour, $20 an hour increase. And they're going to say, okay. With the supply chain disruption, that $20 an hour, it's going to be able to get you a bedroom that someone else owns. You're going to be able to eat a meal for breakfast uh, and, and dinner. Probably have to skip lunch, but you'll get enough food, but just enough. And you'll be happy with your $20 an hour, I suppose. You'll be like, I did it. But you still won't be able to buy anything. You won't be able to buy imported goods, TVs, computers, cell phones. And that'll be it. You'll be a service sector employee, 20 bucks an hour. Congratulations. Your buying power will be the equivalent of a cheeseburger every hour. You'll be able to have a family. And perhaps that's what their goal is. 
What I really think is that the establishment politicians, Republican and Democrat alike, are extracting as much as they can as the ship sinks. Take a look back at the M1 money supply and this major spike, my friends, the ship is sinking. View this as the water level. And this whole thing is our boat. The water is almost to the top. We are almost completely underwater. So what does that mean? Well, they jumped on the life rats a long time ago. They sold assets. They bought goods. You saw them, you know, playing dirty games with stocks. And here it is. The inflation is bad. I blame the Democrats and many of the Republicans. Here's my request to you. If you're a liberal, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, primary all of these people. Get the incumbents out before it's too late. Midterms are coming up, and I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. January 6th, a riot at the Capitol, and there was some violence at the front, but a lot of people had the doors opened for them by police, and since then, Democrats and establishment politicians have tried to use this to an extreme degree to, I don't know, claim Donald Trump is an insurrectionist, a traitor. They're putting out articles claiming that the Trump conspiracy is still happening and that Trump and his cronies are still trying to steal the election or whatever. And now we have this story, which is actually pretty damning, in my opinion. Oh, but not for not for Trump and his inner circle. Actually, no, it's it's kind of uh, exculpatory as it, uh, in, in a sense. The Daily Beast thinks they have a bombshell report. I'll tell you what the bombshell report is. In this story, they say Don Jr. and Fox stars begged Meadows, get Trump to stop the Capitol riot. Liz Cheney revealed text messages from the president's son, Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram to Trump's chief of staff on January 6th. Now, the January 6th committee wants contempt charges for Mark Meadows, Trump's uh, former chief of staff. And apparently, their bombshell is that a bunch of right wing personalities were like, this is really bad. Please tell Trump to stop this. They are leaking people's text messages. OK, so let's talk about what the real problem I have with these people uh, would, would be, would be or no, is, is. It's not that we're learning um, that there is a, a non story here. The January 6th committee is trying to put people in jail, Steve Bannon and Mark Meadows, because they are hyper polarized tribal partisans and this country is being gutted and torn to the ground. It is not relevant, in my opinion. I suppose you could say it is that people are texting saying it's a bad thing. We don't like it. What I do have a problem with is the scumbags in the establishment who are leaking private messages from people. So I, I tell you this, people. You know, we promote Virtual Shield on Timcast IRL. This is not a promo spot, but you got to understand the importance of having Signal or a VPN, be it Virtual Shield or otherwise, because they can go straight to the phone companies and take every single text message you have ever sent. And they will. And they will, they will leak it out for partisan reasons. And I'm disgusted by it. Now, a lot of people on the left are acting like January 6th was the apocalypse, is bad. Yeah, I think it was bad. But this is not this is this is your bombshell. Your bombshell is that Trump and his inner circle didn't want this to happen. Or I should say that Trump's inner circle didn't want it to happen. Here's the report from the Daily Beast. A bombshell dropped in Monday night's January 6th committee hearing when it was revealed that Donald Trump Jr., along with Fox News stars Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram, begged White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows to get the president to make a national address and halt the Capitol riot, which Trump did. Okay. He's got to condemn this ASAP, 
Trump Jr. texted Meadows. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough. I'm pushing it hard. I agree, Meadows responded. We need an Oval Office address. He has to leave now. It has gone too far and gotten out of hand. An aide to Donald Trump Jr. declined to comment on the newly disclosed exchange, one of several with Meadows that Rep. Liz Cheney, a member of the House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th riot, read aloud at the meeting. Donald Trump Jr. texted Meadows again and again, according to Cheney. How did Liz Cheney get reelected? What are y'all doing up there in Wyoming, man? And I'm not kidding. I mean, what the? Okay. She probably won't get reelected uh, again, but these are, you know, I, I, I believe the people on the January 6th committee embody evil incarnate. These are the elitist, scumbag, authoritarian, crackpot, despot types. They will bludgeon you over the head. They will take your private message. They will publish them. They will lie. They will cheat. They will steal. And y'all in each and, one of the, each and every one of those districts voted for these people. And now we're sitting back watching the worst of the worst. You know what's funny? They said Hillary Clinton embodied everything wrong with government. And Donald Trump embodied everything wrong with our culture. And you know what? Yeah, I, 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 I kind of agree with that. I get it. You know, Donald Trump, arrogant, blowhard, you know, smack talking, body slamming, whatever. Not him, but he made that gesture when he was, you know, mocking the journals who got body slammed. But populist, you know, not, not part of the inside, uh, you know, political beltway stuff. And so Trump really did want to help America, in my opinion, though he's far from perfect. Hillary Clinton was everything wrong with our government, right? She is this snooty, elitist, corporatist, neolib, blah, 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 establishment trash. The January 6th committee represents, if, if you were to take Congress, everything that's wrong with it, and then, you know, boil it down to get a, a nice little Congress extract. It's like the pure sludge and slime and grotesque scumbaggery that is Congress. You would get the January 6th committee. Exaggerating. Look, I'll put it this way. And then we'll, we'll, we'll read some more stuff here. We got this tweet from Jake Sherman. Jake Sherman is the founder of Punchbowl News, uh, NBC and MSNBC. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me tell you. These people on the January 6th committee are, are, they are doing everything in their power to burn this country to the ground. They are literally just ripping it to shreds. And I think they are the worst possible human beings in government. Now, in these, if, you are, if you are one of these establishment uh, type individuals, politically uninitiated, don't know what's going on with anything in this country, and just believe whatever you watch on CNN, you'd probably imagine or believe that these people are the good and noble just people trying to get to the bottom of the insurrection. Sure. What they're really doing is gripping the, 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 the fabric of this country and pulling and tearing as hard as they can. So there was an article that came out in the New York Times yesterday, and I, I talked about it on Timcast IRL. We talked about it. Uh, I talked about it on my main channel that uh, Charles M. Blow, writing for the New York Times, says we're edging closer to civil war. And I'll tell you why. It's not because of you or I. It's not because I talk about it, though that's what they would try to claim. No, it's because of the January 6th committee. Here's, here's a tweet from Jake Sherman. Let me read this for you and, 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 and break some stuff down. Jake says, last night, as we all know, the January 6th committee released texts that Meadows got on January 6th. I knew I had communicated with a ton of White House officials that day as I sat in the Capitol. This thread stuck out, uh, stuck out to me. And that's because they were my texts to Meadows saying, we're under, here, here's, the, here's the article. One text he received said, we are under a siege at the Capitol. 
Another quote, they have breached the Capitol. In a third, Mark, protesters are literally storming the Capitol, breaking windows on door, rushing in. Is Trump going to say something? There's an armed standoff at the House chamber door and another from someone. We are helpless. Now, here's the thing. That was just one tweet. Do something for us. We are under siege in the Capitol. There's an armed standoff at the House chamber door. We're all helpless. This article that Jake Sherman saw made it seem like it was different people. They are trying to burn this country to the ground. They, as in the establishment, crony, neolib, neocon, etc., whatever you want to call these pieces of human trash. One quote said, we're under siege. Another quote, they've breached the Capitol. A third, they're storming the Capitol, breaking windows. A fourth, there's a standoff. They break it up to make it seem like all of these texts flood in when it's, you know, mostly just one guy tweeting all of these things. So look, hyperpolarization is here. It's getting worse. And I'm sick and tired of, you know, we, we are, I guess, the, the, the populists. We are not the elitists. We're not part of the club. Yesterday, we had Siraj Hajmi on the club, and he was like, you're part of the club, Tim. You're part of the club. And I'm like, am I? Is it, why is that? Is it because my business is successful? No, I don't think we're part of any club. I don't think so. I certainly think there's a big club, and I certainly think you can be wealthy and be not in that club. And that's what I believe, you know, we have right now. Now, for a while, the club, as, as uh, George Carlin uh, put it, the same club they used to beat you over the head with, it's a big club and you ain't in it. It is a big club. But the club seems to have been shrinking a bit. For a while, it was like everybody who had some kind of power, they were in the club or at least, you know, in the periphery of it. Now we are seeing the rise of people with power and means, resource and influence who are rising up outside of that club. So what does the club want to do? January 6th panel, the perfect example of the establishment taking the, the pure slime, the scum scraped off the walls of a 40-year smoker's house and just smashed into one congressional unit. This is the seat of power they're trying to retain. These are the neolibs, neocons, desperate to not lose their power and to exert whatever they can to destroy everyone who dare oppose them. Using uh, uh, January 6th as their, as, their, as their trick. Alex Jones, they've subpoenaed him. Alex Jones says he's not gonna, he's gonna plead the fifth. He's not gonna comply. Why would, uh, why, would, why would you need any information from Alex Jones? Alex Jones on January 6th is seen in several videos saying, do not go to the Capitol. Don't do this. Don't go in. They want you to do it. Don't, don't, don't. Uh, Alex Jones was trying to prevent this stuff from happening. So why, 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 why question him? Why get his information? Why subpoena him? Because they're trying to just finish off anyone who helped the Trump sphere of influence. Alex Jones, of course, was a major influential player. Now they're going one step beyond. The January 6th panel recommends contempt for Meadows, reveals panicked texts from Trump Jr., Fox hosts over riot. The select committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot recommended that the House hold former President Donald Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, in contempt of Congress for defying a subpoena. The bipartisan, yeah, right, bipartisan, nine-member panel voted unanimously in support of sending uh, sending to the House a report that includes a resolution recommending a vote to find Meadows in contempt. You see, this is why I will never vote for another Democrat ever again. Not to say that I'll ever vote for a Republican. I only uh, voted for a few Democrats in my life, to be completely honest. But I, I look at all of the uh, um, members of Congress and a good majority of the Republicans as evil. 
And I mean it. For the longest time, I didn't want to use the phrase evil to describe people because I, I often felt that a lot of people are just, you know, they're fighting for what they believe in. And that's true for a lot of people. I think that's true for like a populist on the left and maybe a populist on the right. But then you have two different kinds of people. There is the banality of evil, and then there is the overtly evil. And the way we explained it on TimCast IRL is zombies and necromancers, or zombie lords, I don't know, whatever. It's a joke analogy, but the point is, you know, Michael Malice often likes to tweet that, how could you possibly be pessimistic when, you know, you're the, the establishment people are, are this stupid or whatever? And, you know, I can understand seeing how dumb many of these people are, and then thinking like we're on track to success, a guaranteed victory. I do believe that um, individuality, individual rights, we are winning in a lot of ways and we are on track to win. Don't get me wrong. I really do. I really do. I think that what we're seeing here from January 6th is they're so desperate. They've brought together this panel to try and just muster up something. But I will say, you may laugh and mock uh, the zombie for being stupid, but when you have a thousand zombies marching towards you, that's a little scary, isn't it? So these people may be dumb, they may be the, the, the establishment uh, shills on Twitter or whatever, and these personalities, they may be stupid. They may not have the ability to read or do research. Some of them may be, just be, uh, may be a little bit more than that, may, uh, maybe midwits. But when there's so many of them, well, then it's very difficult. But here's the bigger issue. There, there may be zombies. And that to me is like your average politically active Democrat voter who watches CNN. They don't actually know what's going on in the world. They don't care to actually do research. They just stare at their idiot box. You know, not so much that they're watching TV anymore. And then they're told by the likes of Cuomo, who's now been fired, or Don Lemon, who's you know being sued over sexually assaulting a guy. And then you have the likes of Brian Stelter. And people just eat that up. They just gobble it up. Maybe I should read. Do some Google, Google searching. Maybe, maybe do a little background. And I can't blame them. Not everybody has the time to do it, but they believe it all. Those, my friends, are the zombie masses in the Matrix marching in lockstep behind the necromancers, which are the media personalities and the, the zombie lords. Let's call it the January 6th committee is a bunch of zombie lords. These people are overtly evil. They know they're evil. They want power. They crave and lust for it. They are demonic. And I mean that figuratively, not literally. What I mean is, Deep within their souls is a rot. Their hearts are blackened, withered husks. Humanity drained long ago. They would beat you over the head. These are the worst of the worst. There's a lot more of them in Congress. There's a lot more of them in the federal government. Trump even surrounded himself with some of these people. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply.
But you have to think about where are the good people? Where where are the 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 uh, the good people of, of, of to, to, to challenge this to be in politics? Yeah, honestly, I don't know. I think Rand Paul's a good dude. I always say this, you know, not perfect people, but I think he's a good dude. There's very few people I think who are in government. I'll tell you this. Most people don't want to do it, you know, because people even tweet at me or, or post in super chats like, Tim, when are you going to why don't you run? Why don't you go? And I'm like, I ain't going anywhere near that swamp. It's just all a bunch of swamp sludge garbage everywhere. And that's the problem. Maybe we need good people to run. Maybe the reason we get these crackpot, awful, or outright evil people like Liz Cheney, the worst of the worst, pure evil scumbaggery. I cannot stress how much I despise these people. The reason we get it is because people aren't stepping up. All that is required for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. So maybe what needs to happen is the primaries are coming. Y'all need to run. We're hearing we've got more people running in the Republican primaries than we have in like a really long time or ever. Good, I guess. But, you know, it's, it's going to be really difficult. Primary out the establishment. You know what? And, and I've been a fan of uh, I was a fan of Dan, Dan Crenshaw early on, but I don't care. Dan Crenshaw should be primaried at this point. And it's not even so much about what you think about how he's voted. It's about confidence. There's a lot of people who are mad at the things he, he's, he's supported. Apparently, he supported red flag laws. Now, I, I suppose he's claimed he didn't. I don't know. I don't track, uh, you know, Crenshaw's career or anything like that, to be completely honest. I don't live in his district. But I'm just saying each and every one of these, these politicians, I don't care if they're new or old, y'all need to primary them. Just get the incumbents out, especially the Democrats. But I will take, I will take a populist wave in the primaries and then be happy with what comes in November if we get a red wave or a red tsunami. I don't like the Republican Party. I don't like them at all. Liz Cheney embodies it. Saturday Night Live did a sketch where they were like, Republican or not? And they're like, it's literally Dick Cheney's daughter. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. Is she really a Republican? Yes. She is one of the last remnants of what is the neocon establishment. And you see how desperate they are to retain power. I had to listen to them screaming in my ears for years about how Donald Trump was going after his political opponents. But they literally do it. They're doing it right now. They'll do it again. They'll do it more. I'm just really, really sick of these people. I'm sick of these stories. I'm sick of the Daily Beast bombshell report. Bombshell report that they were trying to stop it and condemn it. These people are just so insane and just awful. Some good news for Steve Bannon, not great news, but the judge has basically gone a little bit down the road in terms of uh, public disclosure on evidence. Steve Bannon's trying to use this against the establishment. His plan is basically, you know what? If you're going to come after me, try and lock me up, I want all of the evidence that you have publicly available so I can muster up my defense. Well, they said that uh, the judge who's providing over the criminal contempt case for Bannon, there will be another one likely for Mark Meadows. Uh, you know, basically said a protective order largely adopted the government's proposals for restricting the types of evidence from the case that could be shared publicly. A source close to Bannon noted the judge's ruling included some of the provisions Bannon's team had requested. So it's not a complete loss. But I'm just I'm not confident in where we go as a country, you know, with, with hyperpolarization. I will say, though, the sheer f- the fear the panic and the desperation among the January 6th committee, among many of these members of Congress says to me, wow, you know what? Maybe there's more cause for optimism than we often uh, give credit for. This is an act of desperation. The FBI raid on James O'Keefe was an act of desperation. 
the, uh, the January 6th committee is pure desperation. Everything they've done has been panic, fear, and desperation. And so watching evil squirm, sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. I, I don't have, uh, look, there are some people, political rivals, that I view are just being misguided or wrong. There are a lot of populist leftists who unfortunately will blindly just side with the establishment because that's what they're told to do. And that's, and that's, and that's unfortunate. And I view them as misguided. But there are certain people like, you know, Adam Schiff and Liz Cheney that are, uh, uh, in my opinion, evil, like sociopathic. Maybe, maybe sociopath is a better word. It's like it's, it's, it's less biblical and easier to understand. So when I say evil, I mean they have no empathy. They have no uh, uh, compassion. They care only for themselves. They care not for this planet, not for the future of humanity. They care only to, to torture and beat and lie and cheat. Now, Adam Schiff may be, uh, I think he may be one of the most evil people in, in, in the country. And what I mean by that is, you know, we have serial killers and they, they, they seem to be just mentally deficient. You know, like the, the, the true criminals, uh, the true murderers and violent crime and, and serial killers, they're just, uh, that's evil for sure. But it's, 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 it lacks guidance. It lacks strategy or tact. These are just impulse-driven, insane people. Now, Adam Schiff is cold, calculating, and psychotic. You can see it in his face. He lies. He cheats. He steals. He wants power. He's leaked private communications from American journalists. This is what we are witnessing right now with, with Congress. And the problem is, this is what you'll get with a state like California. This is why I believe that we are edging towards civil war. California is a failed state, not just because there's human crap all over the grounds and homeless crisis, but because the state is a supermajority of Democrats, and that's not going to change. Because there is no d- democratic process in California. It is a supermajority state. And so people like Schiff just are given power. That's it. The system is broken. You have despots in charge. And this guy goes to Washington and just just starts smashing windows, figuratively destroying what this country is supposed to represent. So what happens? Well, when John Podesta said, according to the Boston Globe, that the West Coast should secede in the event that Donald Trump wins in 2024, how many people do you think are going to say good and good riddance? Because you, 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 you'll get rid of people like, like Adam Schiff. California is a failed state. It's not going to change. Now in Wyoming, Liz Cheney is probably on the way out. I wake up reading this story and they're like, we want to arrest more people. We want to leak more messages. And I'm just like, they are gutting and destroying this country. And what we've learned from these messages is that it's not Trump. It's not Donald Trump Jr. It's not Steve Bannon. It's not Mark Meadows. In fact, these are the people who are apparently texting saying, please tell Trump to stop this. Tell him to make it stop. Tell him to put out a message. And what do they tell us instead? That Trump is staging an ongoing conspiracy to overthrow the U.S. I despise the establishment elite political class, Republican, Democrat alike, primary all of them, Democrat and Republican alike. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I'll see you all then. Hassan Piker and Vosh, two of the most prominent progressive personalities on the internet, have been banned from Twitch for using racial slurs. That's literally it. 
Uh, Vosh used a racial and gender slur along with a racial slur, and thus they were both banned. Now, banned doesn't mean a whole lot on Twitch. It's weird. It typically means suspended. However, it looks like Vosh may be indefinitely banned. We'll see. As for Hassan, he's received his third ban. They'll probably unban him. We'll see. But this is not the same as a mistake or dancing on the line. This is quite literally Hassan Piker and Vosh overtly using racial slurs. I do not agree in principle with these personalities being banned. However, Vosh explained to us that private companies, if they don't want you on the platform, you got to follow the rules. Maybe you should follow the rules. Hassan himself, in, in a video not even that long ago, he talks about how no, you know, all these conservatives, they want to make an echo chamber, but they want to own the lib. So they want to be on Twitter and they want to be on these platforms. Maybe they shouldn't be violating the rules. OK, in principle, I believe it is wrong that Hassan and Vosh have been banned from Twitch. They should be allowed to be on these platforms and engaging in public discourse the same as anybody else. I do believe there is a line in which we do ban content and that censorship is not inherently evil. What do I mean by that? Ian Crossland, you, you may have seen him on Timcast IRL. He's one of the co-hosts and he is a co-founder of Minds.com. That is the social media platform M-I-N-D-S. He actually had to do for quite a long time content review. Why? People post graphic murder and child abuse and some, and this stuff is illegal, like overtly illegal content. And I don't mean like speech and expression. I mean videos of adults doing things to kids, like really messed up stuff. And that's what censors are there to do. So we can respect that. I can respect that. I could say, you know what? It's a good thing that there are people reviewing content to make sure criminals aren't doing criminal things. But you see, the issue is when it comes to politics, when it comes to opinion, when it comes to political opinion, and you're not overtly committing a crime, or you're not even targeting someone specifically, or advocating for violence against someone, then you should be allowed to say things that are offensive or nasty. And that means, in my opinion, you should be allowed to say racial slurs. I don't like it. I won't like you for using them. But you, you have a right to express yourself in that way. And that being said, when these crackpot weirdo racists come out and say these awful racist things, my response is, thank you. Now I know not to associate with you, not to support you, and generally to avoid you. Someone could come out and have a bunch of great politics. But if it, if it, if it come, turns out to me that this person is spewing racial slurs and is generally bigoted, then I'm going to say, I don't believe I would like to work with you. I do not agree with those ideas, and those take precedent over many other ideas. I do not believe the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Just because you may believe in smaller government, but then the reason you do is because you want the right to discriminate or oppress people, I'm going to be like, mm, that's not smaller government. That's just you wanting power. And you don't like the government as the power, and you want the power. So no, not a fan of that. When it comes to Hassan, he went on a stream, and he basically said he was going to use the word cracker, and it is a racial slur. Now, my understanding is that at least on YouTube, or I guess the rule is like, don't call people a slur, but you can say the slur, uh, I guess. I do not personally believe Cracker is all that offensive to anyone. However, it's the left that actually got offended by this. And I have to say, I'm willing to bet it was the left that actually reported Hassan. Among his own fans, they were saying, this is an offensive slur, don't use it. Vosh apparently stepped up after the fact and then used the word Karen as well. Now, Karen is also a racial gender slur. It's a specific slur referencing a white woman. And he got indefinitely banned for that. 
Now, I want to talk about why Hassan and Vosh are wrong completely in their philosophy and their ideology, and this exemplifies it. And I want to say, on principle, they should not be banned. However, on their principles, they should be banned and never be allowed back on, back on the platform, period. So let me, let, me, let me break that down real quick. The way I see it, I appreciate that they're allowed to voice their opinions. I think a lot of people have taken clips from Vosh and Hassan out of context. There was one recently where people were like, Hassan is supporting Assange's extradition. And it was, a, it was an out of context clip. I don't play that game. The full clip was him saying, yeah, I don't think Hassan should be imprisoned forever and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But man, his stands are crazy. And I'm like, that's a fine opinion. If you want to claim that Hassan isn't supporting Assange, show me the full clip. Don't edit it. You know, recently, some people that I know, uh, good friends were like, oh, man, you know, I've seen these clips of Dave Rubin. They're kind of embarrassing. And I'm like, let me guess. Some guy on Twitter posted a clip. You saw it. You believed it. And they were like, yeah, you know, Dave was saying something about, you know, this, that or otherwise. And I was like, dude, for all you know, be it Vosh, Hassan, Rubin, me, Crowder, anybody, we could say something like, you know, I went to an ice cream shop and there was a man there who, who loudly proclaimed, I don't like vanilla ice cream. And I was shocked. You know, vanilla, that's like the flavor. And then what they do on the Internet is they take that quote and attribute it to you. They do this stuff all the time. Or there would be a circumstance where it's like, you know, a guy told me, he said, if we see the ice cream truck out back, this store is not going to have vanilla ice cream. And then what they do is they take that clip where the guy says this store is not going to have vanilla ice cream and say he made a prediction that wasn't true when an idiot. When in reality, he was saying, if indicator applies, if indicator equals yes, then simple if then, you know, if then a uh, statement. So I'm not playing these stupid games. Now, look, I like that they're on here expressing their opinions. I like being able to argue with them. I am not a fan of Hassan because I think he's, he's an establishment player. Vosh is a bit of an establishment player, but he still is a little anti-establishment in many areas. And he was willing to concede a lot of points the left typically isn't. We've had him on the show a couple times. I can respect that. However, among both of their opinions, they believe these companies should have the right to enforce these TOS. And if they violate them, they should be banned. So what I tweeted in response to Vosh getting banned was, look, he knows they ban you for racial slurs. He outright says these are racial slurs and he's going to use them. And then he got banned and he's not crying about it. So I said, there's nothing wrong here. And what I mean by that is both on the part of Vosh, he's not being hypocritical. He straight up said, yeah, they ban it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to own it and be a Chad. That's what he said. And then he got banned and he was like, oh, there you go. Okay. If you accept the consequences that you advocate for, that's not hypocrisy. I just think it's a bad policy. To, it's a bad policy to advocate for. On the other hand, has argued conservatives should just be following the rules. Well, I'll say the same to you, Hassan. You can't ask for special treatment. I, however, don't think people, anyone should be banned for using racial slurs. I think we should point them out and society should say, we don't like that you do that and people should make that choice. Dextero reports, Twitch banned the popular streamer just after 8.17 p.m. on Monday. He was watching clips on stream for more than 40,000 viewers finding the broadcast. He later came out and said... That the ban was exactly for what you think it is, anti-white racism for using the term cracker. Okay, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter if you don't care for the concept of anti-white racism. What matters is that big monolithic corporations don't care about you and will ban you when you advocate for this stuff. We also have this one from HITC or HITC. Vosh banned from Twitch indefinitely after Hassan Piker's suspension. So he basically came out and said he was going to say, you know, he, he, that he believed Cracker and Cameron both slurs. He was going to own it and he was going to use that. I have tremendous respect for that. 
I think it's, I, I completely disagree with it. I don't mind so much the, the idea of the word Karen, because that's more of a stereotypical statement than it is like a slur against a race. Cracker is a slur against a race. So I'm not a fan of that. I, w- I do not appreciate people using them, but I'm not going to cry about it. I mean, look, you know, Vosh is a white dude saying it, whatever, man, if people want to say stuff, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say, I agree with the guy or like that he does this. No, I actually think it's kind of gross, but at least he owns it. He said, update, I was banned after this stream ended, LMAO. Oh, well, he accepts it. I can, I can respect that. Here's the problem, ultimately, across the board with this policy, with these, with these, with these ideas, the ideology of people like Hassan and people like Vosh saying massive multinational private corporations can privatize the commons and then ban people from them. Sorry, I'm actually, when it comes to academic policy and, you know, uh, when it comes to human rights, I'm on the left unlike Hassan and Vosh, which is really quite hilarious. And now all of their stands are going to flip out and be like, how dare you say that? Oh, I'll make it really simple. I believe the commons should not be privatized. I believe the commons should be held by the people. I believe that if a private company comes in and buys up the space in which people engage in discourse, we have a very serious problem. And then it is the role of the community to say no to the privatization of the public commons. So to put it simply, When Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, etc. take over the space by which we communicate with each other and advocate for policy and our political opinions, we have a problem of far right authoritarianism. As someone who would be on the libertarian left and even heck the authoritarian left, you should be saying, no, the people have the right. Now, unfortunately for the authoritarian left, they would then come out, or I should say, unfortunately for the libertarian left, the authoritarian left would then come out and be like, the people in the party should control it and will shut out any dissent. So it's effectively the same thing when it comes to the censorship. But if you were truly on the libertarian spectrum and leaning left, you would say the commons must be protected by the community. That is to say, members of the public have a right to be on Twitter. Yes, I believe they have a right to be on Twitter because Twitter took over the water cooler. Twitter took over the church. Twitter took over the town square. We are no longer engaging in public debate in these places for the most part. And thus, we need to reconcile that. Now, the ANCAPs and libertarian types, they might be saying, no, a private business can do it at once and they can ban you if they want to. Well, you know what? I'm not of that persuasion. So if you want to come out, and claim to be a leftist, but support multinational billion dollar corporations shutting down public discourse. Okay, I'm sorry. That's not even authoritarian left. You're supporting corporations. And now look what they're doing. You see, this is what's really fascinating to me. Hassan got banned for using racial slurs against white people. And I can only say, I told you so. Now, Vosh, I think for the most part, he owned up to it. He said it, he, he knows all this stuff. I can't really complain about that. A guy being a, a guy being like, yes, they should ban racial slurs. Yes. You know, uh, he says he'll use them. And then he gets banned and says LMAO. OK, it's, that's fine. It'd be like me saying that they should sell peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And you know what? If you go to the store, you should get one. And now I have one. It's like uh, that's what you wanted to happen. I can't complain about hypocrisy there. I just think it's bad, a bad idea. Now I'm going to break down exactly why beyond just my personal opinions and show you this. This is incredible, major breaking news, and it's very, very important. John Stossel, he's incredible. He's a great journalist. He said, here's where the facts about me lie. Facebook bizarrely claims its fact checks are opinion. Hands down. Look, when Tucker Carlson and Rachel Maddow get sued, they say they're opinion speakers, and that's, that's true. 
What then happens is that people on the right say, Rachel Maddow admits that she's not saying facts. And then the people on the left say, Tucker Carlson admits he's not saying facts. Let me, let me explain. Statement of fact as a legal term is something very specific. If Tucker Carlson comes out and says the people who, you know, uh, on January 6th were, were, who are pushing and fighting were feds, that's an opinion statement. It sounds like he's saying there's a fact. He's not calling it. No, he's saying it, it, that would be an opinion statement. Now, people on the left try to exploit that and say, aha, that's not a fact. If he said, you know, so-and-so who was seen down there, according to these documents, is definitively proven to be, there is a very fine line between what constitutes an opinion and what constitutes a fact. Calling someone a narc, a fed, or a Nazi are opinions. That's true. Now, you can try and argue, but they're going to be like, a fed, I was just saying the dude was a snitch and like an informant. Like, I wasn't saying he was literally working for the federal government. You know what I mean? Now, there's a fine line. It's hard to know where it is, but typically a court will try and be reasonable in this matter. This is where it gets really important. Facebook has stated in defense to a lawsuit filed by John Stossel. They say, uh, he writes, Facebook has responded to my lawsuit in court. Amazingly, their lawyers now claim that Facebook's fact checks are merely opinion and therefore immune from defamation. Wait, Facebook's fact checks are just opinion? I thought fact checks are statements of fact. That's how Facebook portrays them on its website. Each time a fact checker rates a piece of content as false, Facebook significantly reduces the content's distribution. We apply a warning label that links to the fact checker's article disproving that claim. Here's where it gets good. I have long advocated for this, and John Stossel is the man of principle who stepped up to the plate, slammed that, that pitch straight out of left field, boom, home run, bringing in the grand, the grand slam to win the game. Okay, maybe not yet, but here's what I stated. When you post something to Facebook, let's say you write an article, and Facebook says false, misleading, or whatever, partly false, Facebook has made a statement of fact, not an opinion. You see, what happens is these fact checkers who are given, you know, carte blanche effectively to diminish, reduce, harm, you know, or otherwise get taken down your content, it is Facebook who applies that label to it. And John Stossel argued that. Facebook tried to claim in court, you can't sue us because Section 230 protects us from what other people do. And John Stossel, brilliantly, and as I have advocated for for, for now, uh, since, you, since Facebook started this policy, I'm glad John's doing this. Not, I, I believe it's independent of anything I've said, to, to be fair, but I've been saying we, we need to do this for a long time. When, when, when a fact checker says this is fake news, it is Facebook as a company. We, they, they, use, the, they use the pronoun we to apply a label. That means Facebook made a statement based off something they read. Reading something and making a statement is not a justification for you making a false statement of fact. So to go back to Hassan and Vosh, when they say they should be allowed to do these things, they are wrong. They are opinionated. They are political and they will ban you in two seconds. Now, again, Vosh seems totally cool with it. He agrees with it. So there, I mean, there you go. Like, I got nothing to complain about other than saying he's wrong. Hassan, however, I believe is hypocritical because he's like, just don't break the rules. I broke the rules and now they're mad at me. You know, this is BS anti-white racism or whatever. Don't say it. Don't support the, don't support it. You can't have it both ways. You can't expect the system to be like, you know, don't say racial slurs. Except you, Hassan, you can say whatever racial slur you want. In this capacity, we can see the true fallacy of this idea that these companies have the ability to effectively police content. On Twitter, James O'Keefe is, is suing. 
Because when he got banned, Twitter said that he was banned. They, they released it. I believe they released a statement. And I'll also point out language too in a second. I believe they released a statement where they said that he was operating multiple accounts or something. And James says he wasn't. That's insane. And thus, that's defamation. You'll notice in many of my videos, I am very careful about how I describe things because accuracy is important. That's why I say I believe or apparently or allegedly or reportedly. So what's, um, what Facebook could simply do is they could put a label on John Stossel's content that says, according to X, this is misleading. Instead, they say we applied a label that said this is misleading. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, there you go. If I read an article that says Donald Trump did a front flip, and then I come out and say he did, and Trump says, I never did, and you have no proof, I can't defend that statement in court by being like, but I read it somewhere else. They'll be like, I don't care where you came up with the idea, whether you read it or otherwise. You made a false statement of fact. Look at the Covington kids. This is the problem of the system. That's how for, uh, Facebook portrays it on their website. We apply a warning label. He goes on to say, you know, he, 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 he points out the Tucker Carlson and Rachel Maddow thing. What he points out, and this is really interesting, is that the fact checkers on Facebook, this work gets even worse. He says it was Facebook, not a third party, declaring my posts partly false. Facebook's warning was created by Facebook and posted by Facebook in Facebook's voice. Facebook's own website says we apply a warning label. The next thing that needs to happen, my friends, James O'Keefe needs to sue Wikipedia. Why? The Wikipedia article for Project Veritas, or should I say Project Veritas should sue Wikipedia. It says uh, Project Veritas from Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia or something like that. The article then goes on to disparage to a great degree Project Veritas. It includes citations, but those citations are irrelevant. The statements are made according to the page by Wikipedia in Wikipedia's voice. Sue them. If they said the following article is, is it was produced by and then list all the users, that would probably be acceptable. This is where it gets interesting. The fact checks on John Stossel's content made up fake quotes. Look at this. He says, I made a video that said California's wildfires were mostly caused by poor government management. Facebook censored, censored that is misleading. They linked to a science feedback post that puts the following sentence in quotation marks as if it were something I said, quote, forest fires are caused by poor management, not by climate change. But I never said that. In my video, I acknowledge climate change has made things worse. I just argue that government mismanagement was a bigger factor. And that's an opinion piece. How do you say someone's opinion on the facts is wrong? It's an opinion. I mean, you can say someone's got stupid opinions and their opinions are wrong, but you can't say it's factually false. He goes on to mention that when he asked them, they offered no defense. They surprised me by saying that they hadn't even watched my video. The wrong tone. It happened again. Another video he did, they said was partly false. And then later he said that I asked Science Feedback Reviewer what was wrong with my climate crisis video. And he admitted that he and his other fact checkers found no incorrect facts. They simply didn't like my tone. I produced a video and it said GOP electors cast ballots for Trump or something to that effect. 
Facebook slapped a label on it saying false. You know what? Maybe maybe I should go after Facebook, too. Maybe I should talk to John Stossel about this. But this was changed. So I, I well, the issue here is I, I, I always advocate for people suing. I don't think I'd have standing. I'll explain why. The, the video was labeled false information. And so I go on my Facebook and this this got my page shut down on Facebook, kicked out of the monetization program. They, they put a label saying it was false. The video literally starts with me saying the GOP electors, I think it was in Arizona, have cast ballots for Donald Trump. But these are not the official uh, officially elected slate as far as the Electoral College is concerned. I said it literally in the first 20 seconds as I was explaining. Huge news as the so what happens in, in the in the election is that there's different slates of electors. One gets chosen and their ballots get sent to D.C. The GOP electors decided to submit theirs anyway, which which is a formality and it has happened in the past. That's what I thought was relevant. That's the headline. They did. Now, I didn't say they filed official votes to the Electoral College proof of, etc. When it was labeled false, I contacted the fact checker who told me we did not watch your video at all. And I said, in literally the first 10 or 15 seconds, I say, keep in mind, these people are not the elected slate. These are just Republicans who were the, 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 the Republican slate who are not going to D.C., and this very well may mean nothing. However, if we go back to the election between Nixon and Kennedy, you can see something similar happened. That's why it's significant. Upon watching that, this fact-checking organization went, oh, OK, that's actually all true information. Nothing that you said was false. And they removed the label. Now, that pisses me off. Why should I have to do extra work when Facebook defames me? Now, truth be told, there is still an obligation to try and seek remedy. My problem was remedied. And thus, when it came to labeling my content false that I had posted, I would have no standing. But rest assured, when it comes to anything like that, I will be awaiting them to come after me. And I'll tell you this too. This ex- so first, let me just wrap this all up by saying this is exactly why the, the, the idea that they should just enforce the rules is complete bunk BS because they're factually wrong, incorrect, biased, and lazy. We started the Truth in Media Foundation. I'm actually really not a fan of the name, to be completely honest. I didn't come up with it. Someone here did because it's the Tim Foundation, and I'm like, eh, whatever. But there's a group of people involved that are putting it together, and they thought Truth in Media was a good name, and it just so happened it's Tim. And I feel like I'm not a fan of that. I'm really, I got to be honest, not a fan of having a website called TimCast. That was never my plan, but it's what we ended up having to do for a variety of reasons. That being said, it's the brand, you know. It, we will need to, to, to grow beyond that. But we started the Truth in Media Foundation to create a non, it's a nonprofit 501c3, uh, non-political organization with the goal of fact checking and researching information. This means there will likely be very little overtly political fact checking. There will just be general news fact checking. We're going to issue scores. We're going to take a random sampling. I've talked about this for years, and it's funny, too, because I remember a couple of years ago when I said we are doing this. I had people tweet at me, this will never happen. He'll never do this. He'll never. And now here we are. We've officially formed. We just have to wait till the new year for tax reasons. It takes a long time to get things, get things going. We need a board of directors. I wish it were easy and you could snap your fingers and just make it happen. It's not how it works. What we're going to do is we're going to fact check articles. We're going to have writers. We're not going to play dumb games. We will watch videos. We will pull timestamps. We will say if there is something factually incorrect here, we will specifically label the exact moment they said a thing that was wrong. And if we are 
approved by Pointer to be a fact checker on Facebook. When we say partly false and you click it, we will say the only thing we take issue with is specifically line, you know, three, you know, at, at minute 620 that said this, this part is not, not correct, but the rest is fine. We'll be very specific. We will watch all of the videos. We will read all of the articles and we're not going to play framing games. If John Stossel comes out and says, here's my opinion, we'll say nothing because we don't fact check opinions. If he gets a fact wrong, we'll say this fact is incorrect. But very likely, we will be very conservative when it comes to whether we apply warning labels if we ever, if we get, assuming we get approved. But the other thing we're going to do is we're going to go to all of the big players, as many as we can, major websites. We will take maybe every quarter, you know, every three or four months, we will take a sampling of 100 of their latest articles. We will review them for journalistic ethics violations and then give them a strike or a pass. If there is a news article from the New York Post that is not labeled opinion and it has opinion in it, strike. Then we'll create a spreadsheet for the organization and we will show it and say, we applied a strike to this article because it includes opinion statements, but is not labeled as opinion. I have seen Reuters do things like this. We would strike them. Truth be told, I believe the New York Post would probably receive a 60 percent. The New York Times would probably receive a 70 or 80 percent. The AP would probably receive a 70 or 80 percent. So that means out of 80 out of 100 articles, 80 of them would be deemed good, solid reporting. Then we would get to the likes of I'll I'll tell you this. The Daily Beast probably would score zero. And I'm not even exaggerating. Breitbart would probably score 50, 60 percent. No joke. When it comes to if an article is journalist, is ethic, is, is, is correct, true and ethical, Breitbart probably would score decently high and Daily Beast would be in the gutter. Huffington Post would be comparable to Breitbart. This is just my personal opinion on where they might fall. Uh, I believe Infowars would actually score a bit better than the Daily Beast, but probably in terms of journalistic ethics, probably not that high. Why? It's not about whether you like an, an organization. It's about whether or not their articles are straightforward news pieces. Now, if the Daily Beast puts opinion and Infowars put opinion, we would completely ignore those. We would say these are opinion articles and as opinion articles, they're allowed to express their opinions as they see fit. Quite literally, I believe there's almost no circumstance unless the opinion piece was so egregious and out there we had to be like, yo, literally that never happened. If someone said my opinion on the on the great cookie collapse of New York when a giant chocolate chip cookie fell from the sky, I'd be like, Okay, that is just outright not true. The opinion statement on a, fa- a false statement of fact, we would, we would fact check that. But if someone gets some stuff wrong in an opinion piece, we'd probably just be like they have a, a, you know, a warped view of this. But if it's labeled opinion, I'm not super worried about it. However, we'll still be issuing fact checks if someone says something that's outright not true. Like here we have this story from the New York Post from John Stossel. He claims Facebook said X. Statement of fact that they're, they're arguing their fact checks are opinion. We would pull up the documents from the court. If it turned out they never argued that, we would say nowhere in their you know, defense did they say this. But that's I'm, I'm assuming John Stossel is correct in this regard. We're then going to give all of these news organizations a score. We're going to create a browser extension, not too dissimilar from NewsGuard, just more in depth and doing something slightly different. I'm not super concerned about who's financing what. Not at all. I don't care if you're a leftist publication. I don't care if you're a communist, if you're a capitalist, if you're an anarchist, if you're a libertarian. That is not relevant to me. And it's not relevant in my opinion to whether or not you are producing ethical journalism. I understand NewsGuard's position. They want to know who's funding this stuff. 
No, I think that's not relevant to whether or not the journalists do good work. You know, uh, we, we hire people. Does it matter? I don't think it's fair to try and play games like someone's funding this. So that's not relevant to me if someone doesn't disclose who's funding something. I really, really don't think so. What matters to me is, do you repeatedly publish false content, unethical content? Are you maximizing harm? Are you lying? Are you falsely framing things? So this is where it's a really interesting frame checking is an important thing we're going to be introducing. That would be, we go to the Daily Beast. The Daily Beast will fail every frame check. There's a few articles I saw from the AP and Reuters who would fail frame checking. Frame checking is when you say something like Ron DeSantis, uh, um, you know, proposes new civilian military force is being heavily criticized, called his new Gestapo as a civilian military force would grant him unprecedented powers, blah, blah, blah. Those are all true. People did criticize DeSantis for forming a Gestapo. It would grant him unprecedented powers, arguably. But, you know, while it is what does unprecedented mean? There's a difference between a strong opinion and like light news opinion. But let me, let me explain it this way. Florida hasn't had a civilian military force in a long time. The proper framing would be there are many other states that do have civilian, uh, civilian military forces. So it's not uncommon in the United States to see such a thing. In fact, Ron DeSantis would be created the 23rd. So important framing. If you said something like, oh, here's one. A smear piece about me said Tim Pool has donated to multiple Republicans. See, that's false framing. Why? The full context is Tim Pool has donated to two Republicans and four Democrats, but two is multiple. That's what the Daily Beast does, and they would fail a frame check. Now, it's not going to be easy to catch all of the false framing, but we're going to do our best. This is what we're going to do to deal with this garbage. And that being said, I've gone a little bit long on this one, so we'll wrap it up here. Suffice it to say, you reap what you sow. If you advocate for the censorship of slurs, don't get mad when you get banned for using a slur. And I think Vosh gets it. I don't think Hassan does. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all there. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.